Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Peak to Pit. It's been a really, really long time. This is Allie Peak and alongside TJ Pittinger. And TJ, have you been the last, I don't know, six months? Um, doing pretty well. Um, we, I guess we've just been quarantining from, um, from podcasting. So, uh, <laughs> well, but, but fair, do... <laughs> uh, quarantining aside, both of our lives got a little hairy there. Although I guess you have been doing your other got... podcasts, but. Yeah, it's been it's been a little crazy, um, just schedule wise, and then sports wise was was kind of. And gone you welcomed the new baby. We did, yeah. So the last six weeks have been crazy. Bryant is six weeks old today. Um, he's doing well, going through a leap right now. Which, if you don't have kids, those are fun. Um, so he's not sleeping a lot, but he's doing well, and mom's doing well. Um, my daughter is obsessed with him and loves him way more than she loves either of us, oh, uh, which is best, fine. Isn't like, it? Isn't it best? All you best? want. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause like your kids are old enough to like understand like, Hey, a baby's coming. They understood that you were pregnant. You know, like right. my kid just thought mommy was getting a little heavy, you know, like <laughs> had no clue what was going on. But she like, when we wake her up in the morning, she, well, we don't wake her up. When we go get her because she's woken up, she the first thing she says is, "Where's Bryant? Bryant, are you? Bryant, go go see Bryant." You know, like she pats his back and she kisses him and points out like all of his body parts, like poking him in the eyes and poking him in the nose and here's his mouth and everything. You know, it's the cutest thing ever. So thankfully, she had that reaction as opposed to just like I don't want this here. Get get this thing out of here. So she likes him. So uh, how are your girls doing? They're we just talked about eight, eight, nine months old now, almost. Nine. Yeah, they'll be nine they? months the end of next week. They're they're good. They're big. They, you know, I was thinking that with this set, maybe we were going to have babies that like did things at a normal pace, um, and they were born premature. And so a lot of times they say, "Well, you need to you need to think about their age based on when they were due, not when they were born, in terms of milestones and things like that." So I really was thinking, like, maybe we'll hit our milestones on pace, as opposed to like Hadley and Hayden, who did everything super advanced, and I was like constantly running. Um, the last two weeks have shown me that that's not going to be the case. They stand up on everything. They, I mean, they just—they're all over the place. They crawl everywhere. If I turn around, they're up the stairs. Like it's just insanity in our house. So all of the gates are about to go on. I just ordered all of the like cabinet locks and outlet covers on Amazon, which I literally just got rid of those things like a year ago. Um, but back to everything being baby proofed because I have little monsters that are everywhere. Yeah, that's a fun age. Elena is getting to the point now where, you know, the the baby gate isn't as big of a deal. She can climb the stairs. I mean, we almost always go with her, but like 
theoretically, I mean, she can climb the stairs. Right. Yeah, that'll be the first one to go is the the stair gate. But we always put one. You've been to my house. When you walk in the foyer, that kind of separates off, like, the dining room and the front office. And so, like, that is kind of, like, the invisible line in our house. Like, kids allowed, kids not allowed. Um, Mm -hmm. So that always stays there. Like, the pet food is on that side of the gate. Um, Eric's, the computers will be on that side of the gate. Like, stuff that they really shouldn't touch will be over there. But you know, what's really interesting and you're kind of lucky. You probably will not have this issue, at least with these two. If you have more kids down the road, you might is that worrying about things they can choke on. So like with Hadley and Hayden, it was just Eric and I had to be smart enough not to leave stuff around that, that they could choke on. But now every single toy that Hadley and Hayden like to play with is like the size of a dime. So it's yeah. training them not to leave that everywhere because the babies are at the point where they put everything in their mouth. So like even coins for their cash register or like, I'm telling you literally every toy, every Barbie shoe, every whatever is a chokeable size. So that's been the struggle here is trying to teach them that those things don't come out of certain rooms. And then the babies don't get to go into those certain rooms so that we don't have to worry about somebody choking to death. Yeah, for sure. And kind of the same thing here, like Elena's toys aren't as, um, aren't as small as what they play with. Like we take a couple of things away, but they're definitely smaller and getting smaller. And so it's like, there are definitely going to be things that we're going to say, well, crap, now you can't have because he's, you know, big enough. And and again, she's not to the age of understanding that. Like right. Your girls would be like, oh, yeah, yeah, we don't want the baby to choke. Elena's just like, why are you taking my stuff away? You know, what the heck's wrong with you? So, yeah. Um, but yeah, like that's our biggest concern getting into, she does a pretty good job of not getting into stuff. So like, I feel like we don't really need the ones for the, the kitchen cabinets anymore, except for the one under the sink. Right. That, chemicals. You know, just because that's got all the chemicals and stuff. But like, I'm not really worried about her getting in with pots and pans. The worst she would do there is drop something on her foot, you know, right. and then probably never do it again. So whatever. Um, See, when there's two, but, it's yeah, hard because I mean, they all come out in 0.2 seconds. Like with one, at least you have a fighting chance right. of getting there before the entire organization is shot. But with two, you don't, you're screwed. So uh, like my bottom cabinets, we never took those off because I'm not interested in reorganizing them daily. Yeah. So anyway, but otherwise doing well. Yeah. The big girls love the little girls. They do. They are such a big help. They love them so much. Eric asked the other day, uh, asked them, do you think mommy and daddy should have any more kids? And Hayden goes, no, no. (laughs) Well, because it's not five, right? Like they don't want to commit to two more. Right. Uh, If there was just one more baby, you know, (laughs) maybe they talked into it. Manageable. But if it, they know that they've got two more coming or more, so literally, um, and and then you'll have a, uh, we'll make a reality TV show about you. <laughs> Great, perfect. So, um, well, cool. Well, good to good to catch up a little bit and good to get back on here. We had a couple of people asking and and asking kind of what was going on. My buddy Keaton over in England was asking about it. Um, I guess he's just kind of an acquaintance. There's a guy I know named Ryan, Ryan that was asking about it. Uh, so you're, you're welcome, Ryan, for, for us doing the podcast. And other people had as well. So long hiatus, but sports are back. We're back. Um, I don't even know how frequent we'll be, but we'll, we'll do this more often than once every six months. So um, speaking of sports being back, um, we can we can kind of start here. Uh Part of that sports being back, like is college football going to be part of that? Is college football going to be part of sports returning in your opinion? Um, yes, I do think college football will be back. Part of my answer is fueled by the fact that for my own sanity, I really need college football to be back. But honestly, a lot of these universities need college football to be get back. Not really having a whole lot to do with college football itself outside of the revenue, but we're not, a lot of colleges can't have spring sports if they don't have football. Um, so there's a lot more writing on it than whether or not we, we play a game. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel, I was actually talking with Dan Thompson about this this morning, um, of stadium and Gale. And I think I feel better about it now than I did two and a half, three weeks ago when, 
all of the conferences kind of went to the conference only schedules. Right. Uh, I feel better about it now because when that went into effect, I just thought that that was the writing on the wall that the the rest of Mm -hmm. it would eventually just fold. Right. You get rid of a little bit and you get rid of a little bit more and then you just say, can it? So I do feel better now and it's probably, nothing's happened to make me feel better. It's just kind of the no news is good news cliche. Um, so, you know, so I do feel better. I think that, you know, I don't know. I think that in seeing, we'll, we'll get into some of the other leagues that are getting back. I mean, they're going to see other leagues return. The SEC kind of is, is, is very, trial and error. you know, campaigning. Yeah. The SEC and the ACC and other conferences, like, like you said, very much need and want there to be a season because not only do the schools, is it their only way of really like staying afloat? Um, the conferences make a lot of money. You know, so I, I think everybody really, really wants it. You know, nobody doesn't want it except for like some miserable sports writers like Dan Wilkin and stuff, not to mention any names. But everybody really wants the season back. And so I think they're going to push and try and find a way to get it done one way or the other. I don't know if the season gets completed because it's not like a, it's not like, you know, the MLB or which we've seen an outbreak there in Miami. It's not like the NBA where they're in a bubble or whatever. Like they, you know, when kids start getting it, well, once half a team gets it, what do you do? You know, well, tough, I mean, you know? that is going to be the interesting thing is that you can't keep college kids in a bubble like you do professional athletes. Professional athletes, you say, this is your job. You are in the bubble or you don't make your money. You know, this is, this is your career. College athletes, it's a little bit harder. They all have the vision of going to a college town and partying and, you know, living their life along with playing college football. And so I think you can only contain them so much compared to professional athletes. Um, you know, Clemson has had something like, I want to say it's last I had read was 37, but that was two weeks ago. So it may be even more than that at this point, players test positive. But, you know, the negotiations with the um, NCAA, one of the things that I thought was really interesting is that you're going to be tested weekly (laughs) until you get it. Then you're only tested if you have symptoms. So I almost think there's some competitive advantage. um, And I know there are people rolling their eyes and telling me that I'm really sick, but like, hear me out. There is some competitive advantage to these teams having it early. I'm not saying that there is actual immunity that comes with it. We kind of, we don't really know exactly how that works yet, but if majority of them are going to be asymptomatic, which is what most of the players that have tested positive in college football so far have been asymptomatic, not testing doesn't tell us whether or not you have it. And so there really is some sort of advantage to like your starting quarterback getting it this week because then he's not going to be tested for it during the regular season unless he shows symptoms. Which is weird to me that they would It's so weird. Like, how are they, you... They wouldn't continue to test. And I don't even know if that'll end up still being the case because I don't know, you know, like the the different health experts and everybody, like, there's, there's no concrete... There, nothing is concrete that says once you get it, you can't get it again very Correct. quickly. Correct. There's, there's nothing on that. So, like why the NCAA would even say that they're going to stop testing Trevor Lawrence after he had it. And not that he had it, but for example, Trevor Lawrence, you know, he gets it in August and they're not going to test him again until January. Like why, why would you even say that when yeah. there's a chance that he could get it again? Like there's sure. nothing again, definitive that says you're not. So right. to me, that's just more on, I mean, you're totally I, right. Like if I that's going to be interesting do, that, that they actually even release that too, because that does create I don't know that like think about college students. They don't make decisions um, based on all of the information. They make rash decisions. I could totally see a scenario where players like totally exposing myself because I don't want to blow my shot at, you know, getting some game film for NFL uh, scouts or something like that. Or I don't want to cost my, my team a chance at the championship. I need to play. I'm going to get it now. And, and I will say, I don't think our college athletes are at a huge risk. They, they're, they're at a risk to, to contract COVID-19. Obviously we know it's incredibly contagious. I don't know that I really think they're at a huge risk, um, of having any, any major complications with it. And I also think if, if the powers that be actually thought that they were at major, major risk for 
for huge complications. I don't think the season would be happening, but I do kind of think that they're never going to come out and say this, but if our healthiest people in our country, essentially, which are probably college athletes, um, are at too much of a risk to do basically their job, what the hell are the rest of us doing? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I completely agree there. Like I, and I'm, I'm a big, you know, my kind of take on all of it is that if you're being somewhat cautious, you know, like I, you know, not to, I, everything gets so politicized, but you know, like I wear a mask when I'm out, you know, part of that is because I have young kids at home and part of that's because, you know, it's mandated where I live. But right. the other part is like, I'm not, I'm not socializing around a lot of people. I really don't have a problem going out to restaurants and doing that because I sit kind of away from people. I wear a mask walking in. I, you know, take it, take it off when I'm uh, eating and obviously at the table and stuff, but I, I'm, I'm going into my office part time and, you know, everybody kind of sits six feet apart. I'm not, you know, getting up and hugging a bunch of people or getting right in people's faces right. and stuff. So anyway, like I'm, I'm cautious too, but like, that's the biggest thing to me is if college athletes who, like I said, are, have the, uh, younger people have been impacted by this the least, right? I, I've got friends that have had it and continued to work through it. I don't right? know like, if you saw this stat yesterday, but more young people have died of gun violence this year, which this number is, has been astronomical this year. Um, then have died of COVID under the age of 35. That's crazy. Yeah. And so, and, and so yes, college athletes probably do have the, and now, there are going to be one-offs. Like you're going to have somebody that has an underlying condition that you didn't know about. Actually, I was talking with Dan Thompson again this morning about um, James Robinson who got to UF and had an underlying condition that he didn't know about. So yeah, there will be one-offs, well, and, but and, for the most part, college kids are going to be the the healthiest. They're going to get it. They're going to recover. They're going to be fine in four or five days. And, and we're not football, talking you know? about these guys doing an activity where they aren't at any risk otherwise with COVID, if COVID didn't exist. I mean, these, I can remember uh, Neron Ball. He played with my brother at Florida. He had an underlying like brain aneurysm condition that they didn't know about. And he, um, he actually ended up dying of it um, last year. Um, or to maybe two years ago. I, I mean, they're these these players are at risk every day that they choose to play this sport. When you play a contact sport like football, where you are bashing your heads in, there you you've basically given permission to the worst potentially happening. And I mean, we we use great equipment. We take precautions. We do everything we can to prevent major injuries from happening. But the truth is, is that college football players are at major risk, whether or not they're exposed to COVID. So to me, that is a little bit different too, because what they've chosen to do is inherently dangerous. Yeah. What about this? What about, um, what about the talk of if students aren't back on campus you know, we really can't have our athletes on campus playing football and, and prioritizing, actually deprioritizing their health and safety as opposed to anybody else's. Like if you're, if you, if, if you're, um, so that's why uh, the SEC go, is going to have their athlete, their, their students on campus. So have, have all the school, so I don't know, I'm kind of out of the loop. Maybe I should have researched this before. Have all the schools said that they, so is everybody doing in-person learning, time, like all 14? The last time that I looked into it, which has been a couple weeks, so if this has changed, then, you know, we'll correct ourselves on the next podcast, because I'm sure y'all will tweet us and tell us. Um, the in last February, I had heard, Vanderbilt was the only school that was at that time kind of looking to hold out, but I'm pretty sure the SEC basically was like, well, they may not let us have football if we don't have kids on campus. So we're going to get them on campus. Um, so I, and I assume everyone that does um, play football will have their kids on campus, but I guess my, well, so and they've this been on be campus a, now. I mean, UF no. athletes have been on campus for weeks now. And they always get there early. So like that's, but if like nobody else showed up in the fall, you know, if you're, you know, if you are, and I don't know UF's roster as well and who this would apply to, but say you're the number one pick next year, you're Trevor Lawrence and you're at Clemson and you've been on campus for a few weeks now. And all of a sudden, um, cause Trevor Lawrence is going number one overall next year 
barring injury, whether he yeah, but there's not a lot of players plays, in plays Trevor Lawrence's not. position. There's not going to be that many athletes but, who have the opportunity to like the, sit out the season. Sure, but there are some, and they're the guys that make college football the, the best, right? Like Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, like these guys that are going to be playoff quarterbacks. Starting Honestly, though, one, there's probably right? so, an argument to be made that if they don't play, it makes college football that much more interesting for us because there's no shoe-ins. I mean, maybe, but I mean, I want the best possible games possible. Like, I want I Ohio too, but, State and Clemson but in the for me, that so, doesn't. I mean, that doesn't negate the season for me if they don't. That doesn't. I mean, I yeah, obviously always no, want to see the best, but I also feel like college football is a minefield of of diamonds in the rough, and so somebody else sure will shine. They will, but I mean, to win a to we've seen that to win a championship for however long. I mean, you just well, have I to mean, have Florida's a winning a national title this year anyway, so it know. doesn't really matter. <laughs> uh, we'll get to we'll get to the lying section later uh, in the show. But if you're Trevor Lawrence and Clemson doesn't bring anybody else back, why would you even play? You know, why would you even why would you even risk it if they're because if you they're think telling the Dabo would really telling, sit there and telling, tell you that the only reason we had a shot was. Because of Trevor Lawrence, think about what that does for your recruiting. There's zero. Oh, of course, he's chance. not going to say that. There's zero percent I mean, chance they sit that, out the season because of the message that sends. And the other thing is, aside from sending well, the no, message, no, I don't think. No, I don't think. Hold on, I don't think Clemson would. I'm just saying, if I'm Trevor Lawrence and Clemson tells me it's not safe enough for all the students to be back, but it is safe enough for you to go out and play football. Yeah, I'm throwing up both middle fingers and saying, no way. Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting out and I'm going to play for the Dolphins next year or the Patriots, you know, right. whoever finishes worse. Like, right. I'm not playing. I just think there's all. not so, going to be that many players that have that luxury of saying that. I think, um, you know, the yeah, I agree with that. That this really sucks for are the it players. Would be 10 people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would just, it would not be that many people, but the people that this potential, you know, whether the season happens or we have a full season or whatever, the, the guys it sucks for the guys who have patiently waited their turn because there were studs in front of them. This is their chance to shine. They're one of those like borderline players who, as of now, they're talking about, oh, could be a free agent, could go in the fifth round. You know, you don't really know who would have a breakout season this year. Those are the guys that I really, I hurt for because there are, you know, there's hundreds of those guys. Yeah, I mean, the guys that are not going to, I mean, it could change it the just, trajectory of somebody's life, the way that this has happened for this season. Whether or not a guy ends up on an NFL roster in a year or two years could really have come down to whether or not they got a chance to play this season because of COVID. And that um, that part sucks. Yeah, it does. I mean, little things that you never see or hear about or know about. And you may know, you know about a couple of instances like this, but I was actually with a guy that played at Florida State. He came up through JUCO and he played offensive line at Florida State um, in 2012. And in 2013, I won't mention any names, but another offensive lineman came in um, when Florida State recruited, when Jimbo and them recruited him, he was the starter. Like he was the starting tackle there. And another guy, uh, the next, and he played pretty well in 2012. Uh, the next year in 2013, um, a uh, big time recruit came in and a transfer came in and both jumped ahead of them. One was Jimbo's guy and one was Trickett's guy. And the, and the guy that I was with the other kind of just got shafted, right? Mm-hmm. Like he, he didn't play poorly in 2012. He just got moved into the rotation right. um, in 2013 and he won a national title. You know, he got to be part of that, but he's like, man, if I wouldn't have got shafted, I would have been the one he was like, who couldn't block in 2013 for, for, for FSU, right? Like the best team that we'd had in decade, you know, right. He was like, if I would not have gotten shafted, I would be in the NFL right now. Cause yeah. both the guys ahead of me are in the NFL right now. Yeah. And I was just as good as them. Like, he's yep. like, it's not pride. I'm not telling you I'm so great. You know, it's he's the, the nicest that, guy in the world, you know. but he's like, it, so, so not only do you just kind of have that, like that normal competition or favoritism mm-hmm. that sometimes can put different guys ahead of different guys but you also have now this like another well, thing so it does suck You're and think about right what about this that. is gonna if let's say college football doesn't have a season which listen i'm going on record saying it's it's happening and that's me needing to be positive because i you guys might have to take me to a loony bin in the fall if, if i'm dealing with you know five more months of this monotony when do, no football do you not, do you not 
Do you not live in one of those already? Like, I, literally, <laughs> I do. I live in Groundhog's Day, so I need something to break that up, and that would be football on Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday night, and then the NFL on Sunday. Um, but think about what it would do as a logjam for scholarships if this season doesn't happen. And you know, inevitably, the NCAA screws it up because that's what they do. So somebody's getting screwed. Here's- it's either the seniors that are coming out or it's the incoming freshmen, but they would have to add numbers to your scholarship count and extend eligibility to everyone that is that misses the season this season to be able to get it right. And that's crazy. Well, here's I actually I was ta- I was on the phone with somebody the other day and don't remember who it was, but I feel like I solved this um pretty easily. And now I'm just trying to remember who the heck I was talking with about it. Um but I think the scholarship thing is actually it's the NCAA, so they're not as competent as I am as a Correct. you know thirty thirty year old dad of <laughs> I was going to say that's not even actually a compliment um, to you. It's just it just is yeah, what it is. No, there just aren't. And I really wish I remember who I was chatting with. Maybe it was maybe it was Richie Barnes or Trey Rowland or something. But I think with the scholarship thing, you take you just do a one year um, addition, right? So let's say there are. 13 seniors on Florida's roster. Oh, let's just do 10. Cause you let them have 13 let's more scholarships than the 85. Is that they, they get 13 more for one year. Right. And that's all that matters. Right. Because right. you're just taking well, those more, seniors. And I think and that's so, so then that you, part, so instead of, but it's the eligibility too. Well, I think you just grant eligibility. Everybody. If there's a full season, you don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. You just grant eligibility, you know, yeah. again for the next year, like they did with the winter sports. They would have to do um, it for, for everybody on the roster because it just creates a log jam. And think about the high school kids. I mean, it looks like Florida is going to have high school football, knock on wood. And, and honestly, that's something that's incredibly um, encouraging for me about college football is that most of the states where SEC teams reside have already basically said, like, yes, we'll have college football. Some of them have delayed the start a couple of weeks, some of them have moved the start date up. Um, so there's a, there's another correlation with those states as to why they're playing football not just that they're in the SEC, but we can save that for, uh, another podcast. Is that, is that because they're red? <laughs> that, but, I uh, mean, it, it does see what now, no matter where your politics lie, you know, red states have, if you have told me to open up more and blue states haven't, you know. if you told me, if you lock yourself in your house for the next seven months and don't come out on that. First day of the eighth month, you can leave your house. There is zero risk to you anymore, zero risk to your loved ones, anybody else. Life can resume. I think a lot of people would be like, okay, I can do that. But we're in a situation where there isn't an end. And I know that we are testing these these vaccines and things like that. But when you think about the fact that SARS is a strand of COVID, MERS is a strand of COVID, the common cold is a strand of COVID, and we have never been able to develop vaccines for any of those it doesn't make me particularly hopeful that we are going to have a vaccine that that long term is successful and that you know there's a lot of research that shows that it, this has started to mutate some um there's research that shows that it's mutated into something that spreads actually even quicker than it did originally but is slightly less deadly which that part's great um and we have shown that people that get it don't have immunity long term so that would also make the the idea that a vaccine would be, uh, you know, effective long term. Currently, they're saying like three months. So unless you're going to have somebody get a vaccine that often, even doing it annually, like the flu, wouldn't necessarily cover it. So given all of that information, and I'm not a doctor, I, I, and I'm not I'm not hypothesizing in any way. I'm just saying it seems unlikely that we have a vaccine anytime soon that is effective. With that piece of information, it makes it very difficult to tell people we need to continue to keep everything on hold because there isn't an end date. And at some point, we do have to get back to normal life. And it's not just about playing college football for you know those of us that like to sit on our couch or in the stands on Saturdays. There are tons of jobs that are affected by that. The future of these athletes, I mean, they're just, there's so many there's so many things that are affected by the choices that we make every day surrounding this. It isn't happening in a vacuum. Yeah, no, I agree. And that's, what's tough about it in general is, uh, you know, and I think most people are kind of coming around to this. I mean, there's, there's some people that aren't 
just because everything again does get so so politicized and you know you're just so annoying isn't it annoying to you that it that wearing a mask is political i just think like shut up and wear a mask well Uh, every everything is every everything is but you know and that's the kind of the point where i'm glad that i'm glad that i'm in an area that at least uh gives me the choice to make that decision for myself right like if i want to go out and live the most risky, wild behavior possible, and I end up contracting it, that was my decision, right? right? And if I take that, if I take that disease to sick loved ones and harm them, that's then that's on, on me, ultimately, yeah. right? Like, and I'm not doing that. Like, I don't tell you. No, how I no. Do I mean, anyway, I'm glad, glad that I'm in a place that gives me that freedom. Now, I'm still extremely responsible because I have young kids at home. I have a wife that just had a baby at home. I am responsible. Sure. I also don't, just don't want it. Like I just, you know, right. like I'm not. I prefer not to get this. My, my children haven't yeah. been in a freaking store since March. They like uh, begging to go to Publix or anywhere. Um, I, I totally get it. I and I feel the same way. And I, I don't know how effective or not effective a mask is. I will tell you. If we tell our children to sneeze into their elbow or their hand, and that that cuts down on things. So if that cuts down on things, clearly a piece of fabric over your mouth probably cuts down on even more. And that's enough for me. Right. And the idea that, like, let's say it makes it spread 5% less. I'm okay. That's a good number for me. It is not, like, wearing a mask is not that big of a deal. However, continuing to not live life and to destroy uh, not just our way of life, but our economy and, and individual families is not something that, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that I think that that is an okay solution to something that doesn't have an end date. Right. And so to bring it back to football, like you said, since there is no end date on this, and since we have no idea, I mean, life does have to go on. I mean, it doesn't mean that people that have passed or gotten sick from this or anything isn't sad and tragic oh, it's horrible, and horrible, for sure. Just, just like the people that die of all diseases and all accidents and all things is horrible, but we, we keep living, you know, and, and, but I do agree with being cautious. So like, that's sure. the thing. I don't to think be you somewhere should... in the middle of both of them. Right. There is, there is, and, and honestly, I, testing, uh, somebody's got to test the limit somewhere. It's not going to be me, but I think we're learning as we go. Obviously, this isn't something we know a whole lot about. Our numbers, I know at least here in Hillsborough County, I believe it's the same in Pasco where you are. There, I want to say hospital, um, hospitalizations down 55% over the last seven days in Hillsborough, which it had gotten really high. Um, there were very few ICU beds left. And so Tillsboro still has a long way to go, but that's because of mask mandates. So we've found things that are, that are helping. And if we have to have no fans in college football, because that's what makes it safest for everybody else for a year, I'm okay with that. I can, I can manage that. I can do that. I just think we, uh, you know, that we're having this negotiations with our school board and things like that. Like it just, college football is um, necessary for these universities to to be able to fund a lot of things that they do. And this is important. So if we're going to get rid of it for the year, we really need to make sure that the research, the science backs up the choice that we're making because it has a lot of ramifications. Sure. And you've seen the other, no other league um, that brings in the kind of revenue that college football does has canceled, right? MLB. Well, and if the NFL way, and high could, school football MLB, happens, college football isn't happening because people are scared then. If the leagues above and below figure out a way to make it work, for sure the um, MLB couldn't even agree on one, so the commissioner just had to mandate a season. The NBA locked all their players into a bubble to do it. The NHL has gone to Canada, so like they're they're it's going the games are going to get played. Yeah, I am not as confident that the NCAA. Finishes a season. I don't know what my confidence level is on mm-hmm. that. Like I have a percentage to put on it, but I I could see like if the if the MLB starts like you know there's a bit we're going to get to in a second, but Miami's had a big outbreak and they didn't even slow it down, man. They canceled those games and said keep playing, you know, shut up yeah. and play. Yeah, the NBA is not going to cancel the season if there you know becomes a big outbreak or whatever. Like those players are just going to sit out. The NFL well, if they start they're going to fit. College football is the one that I'm like, man, if a bunch of kids get it. How so, do they? Let me ask you this. You know, if if a, if, let's say 10 kids on a team test positive before a game and they're all asymptomatic. Is that 
worth canceling the season or do we quarantine those kids, which now they're saying 10 days instead of 14 to quarantine. If well, they're you not quarantine those sick. kids, well, you quarantine those kids, but then you have to test everybody else. So but what you're if testing you have everybody else anyway, unless there's somebody that's already tested positive. So if you're testing, right, them weekly, you're testing so maybe you test them every 48 hours then at that point. Like, yeah, I think you have to. I mean, I, mean, I just, my problem, point is essentially is again, if no pro- one's actually sick, like if these guys are asymptomatic. Now, if you have some, if you, it's a different story optically if you've got guys that are in the ICU because they caught it on the football field than if you have guys that didn't know they had it that test positive and then in 10 days life goes back to normal. So my, my question is essentially like if it plays out more like that, is that a different outcome than guys getting taken to the ICU? I mean, probably, but you're probably going to have guys that do have symptoms. Now, probably not ICU level symptoms. I mean, I, I'd be, I think it'd be crazy to think that nobody would, because again, there are probably guys in college football right now that have underlying health conditions that we didn't know about. So yeah, I mean, but you know, you probably don't establish a rule based on a very, very select minority, right? Like two guys that get really sick. So I think it just, I think as the... I think it'll have a lot to do with, you know, where we are as far as cases in the states that people are playing, how the cities are doing. Like, you know, if Gainesville cases just shot up like crazy once everybody mm-hmm. gets back to college, what does the University of Florida do at that point? Yeah. What do, you know, like what if cuz college kids are going to be college kids whether they play football or not, right? Like parties are going to happen, people are going to do keggers, if they can't go to bars, they're going to go drink at somebody's house. So like that is kind of maybe the concern is like what do the colleges end up doing right. if there's a mass if there's a widespread outbreak at the University of Florida, University of Miami, or Florida State, Clemson, wherever. What does the college end up doing if the college sends everybody home? What ha- what do you do? You know, yeah. so like obviously not hoping that happens, but I could just where the NFL can just say, okay, you got to quarantine the rest of you. You're staying here at one block place for the next two weeks, and we're just playing our two games. You know. Right. That's kind of the worry there with college because college was very quick to obviously cancel everything they canceled with. Um, yeah, I mean, they, you know, they canceled Madness, prior Paul, Paul to field, so. my kids' preschool yeah. canceling in terms of classes and stuff. So um, anyway, I, so I, mean, I, I hope it does. I, I I don't know. And I'm not saying I think that the I, – I think that I'm probably more so college football will start and finish. But I'm just saying it wouldn't shock me if, if – the season was shortened in college mm-hmm. football and canceled. Um, you know, obviously I don't want that to happen. And I'm not even saying it's likely that that happens, right. but I think that that would be the one because again, they're kids, they're not getting paid. They're putting so their health. What are your I mean, you're seeing, on- you're seeing guys, you're seeing guys in the NFL opting out of million dollar contracts. Yeah. I mean, there are definitely going to be some college kids opting out. I mean, yeah. I don't think it'll be a massive amount, but there are again, guys, for all of these teams opting out of again millions of dollars. And so there's definitely gonna be college kids doing the same. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on playing only like interconference? I mean, we're we're dealing with a smart virus here that that knows when you're well, playing out of conference. So that can, was my initial you there. That was my initial <laughs> reaction. Sarcasm. However, I heard something uh yesterday that made a whole lot of sense and I hadn't really heard it before. So what if the reason that they're doing that is because they can mandate a particular way of testing throughout the conference that they can't when they're playing out of conference games. And so there is a certain level of confidence that comes from what your players are or aren't being exposed to it. If you know the team you're playing was tested in the same uniform manner that your team was. We can't just have a NCAA testing for, for things like the NCAA well, can't just institute like, who, this is how you do it. I guess it depends on who pays for it. You know, if there's something, if UF is doing something through Shans that's state of the art and they, you know, it's rapid, it's way more accurate, it's whatever. And I'm not saying they are, I'm just saying hypothetically, then maybe they don't want Eastern Washington, you know, buying their tests at CVS. So unless the NCAA is going to pay for it and then mandate whatever the best available is for everybody, I mean, I don't know. It was just the first time I had heard it, and that makes way more sense to me than, it. you know, the virus is so smart that it makes more sense for South Carolina to fly and play Missouri, and they're safe that way, but they're not safe to play Clemson. 
Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense, but at the same time, like if the NC the NCAA just can't mandate like this is the protocol for testing, I mean, I don't know cuz even within the conferences, you know, you've got the Pac-12 and Arizona is fine to play, but California's you I know, did their see, leadership is saying games and stuff here happen. So like you could break that down even on a state level and then you could break it down on a city level. Like it's going to be different for UCLA than it is for Cal. I don't remember who I was talking to or what I was listening to, but they basically said that there are some Pac-10 teams that are currently looking into moving to a different state during the football season because they won't be able to um, resume their practices in the state that they're currently located in. I mean, it makes sense. I would too. I mean, again, they're 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 what makes the money for the for the um, you know university athletic program and things like that. So yeah, I, mean, I would too. But yeah, like so, I, I don't know why the NCAA just couldn't mandate that. And even with that, I mean, um, Strickland and 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 uh, Florida State have all come out and said like, you know, yeah, that game is still we're still looking at making that game happening. Yeah. So like. I mean, that testing is not going to be uniform. Whose rules yeah. do you – so you go by the ACC rules for those, for that testing because the game's in Tallahassee? No, or how, whoever has how the you, most money is the – and that's the SEC. Yeah. Go by them. Their tests are probably better. So, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. Like, it's all – Yeah, again, I mean, I, I just – I'm trying just to, kind of, to, to, like, find some logic in this, I guess. Well, stop trying to find logic in anything with the NCAA. So, yeah. um, so – if there was no season, uh, I think it hurts uh, Florida State pretty badly. I think it hurts Florida pretty badly. I actually don't know that I think it hurts Miami as badly. So uh, I think it'd be between our two schools. Uh, who does no season hurt more? I actually think the team it hurts the least, in my opinion, is Florida State. Um, I think they were god-awful. Uh, last year, I think that giving them a year to um, get used to new systems, get new recruits in is really honestly not the worst thing in the world. I don't think this season was going to turn out great regardless. So (laughs) not playing it doesn't really hurt them in that aspect. I think it hurts Miami the most financially. It hurts Florida the most in the like in the fact that Florida, Florida's moment is now. If Florida's going to beat Georgia, it's this year. If Florida's going to make a run for the playoffs, it's this year. Because after this year, now granted, who the heck knows what happens with scholarships and eligibility and all that or whatever, but the schedule lines up perfectly for Florida this year. The roster lines up perfectly for Florida this year. Those things are tweaked. I think the season after you have a season more like this past year, which listen, I'm not snubbing my nose to an 11 win season, but if you continually have 10 and 11 win seasons and you don't win your conference and you don't make it to the playoffs, you're Mark Rick, right? So, and that's not the kind of program I don't think that Florida wants long-term. They they want a championship program. And I think they have the tools to make that step this year, or at the very least, they have the best opportunity to make that step this year. And um, so from that stance, it hurts Florida the most. But I do think you have to look at it financially as well. Florida will be fine financially. Florida would be in the best case, the best scenario out of the three schools financially. Miami would be in the worst by far of the three schools financially if it doesn't happen. So I think you're right, partially. I don't want to agree with you too much. (laughs) Um, Old habits die hard. From a season perspective, it would be the worst for Florida, right? Clemson, I'm sorry, Clemson. Uh, Miami was probably going to be, you know, favored in 10 or 11 of their games and go eight and four like normal. Um, I actually think the schedule set up really, really well for Florida State this year, um, especially once the, the out-of-conference games got canceled because I, I think the only, like, sure loss on Florida State's schedule in conference is Clemson, right? Like, Right. You know, Florida State's not good, but they have just as much talent as anybody else, except for maybe Miami. And that game's still just a, always a, a crapshoot, right? Even with Willie, we, we all lost by one to them. So, um, I mean, they beat us pretty good last year, but, you know, Willie got fired the next day. We were checked out and stuff. So I don't think Miami runs away from us by any means um, no. this year. 
Well, so, you know, I actually think things set up well for Florida State, but obviously they weren't going to compete for anything. Um, so, yeah, losing the in-season hurts Florida the most just because they have the easiest schedule they've had in years and years and years. You know, Not only State do they, but Georgia has the hardest that they've had, which is another piece to that puzzle. Georgia has to play Alabama during the regular season, which Alabama. is not a normal yeah. occurrence Ge- for them. Georgia plays, Georgia plays the best three teams in the – um conference and uh this year and florida doesn't play a, a great sec team right like georgia is probably the, the best i mean they, they play lsu play every year so yeah they, i mean yeah. i think they're rebuilding yeah no with, i do too but i mean lsu gone. lsu is still lsu but georgia having sure. alabama lsu is probably the Georgia LSU is probably the fifth best team in the conference. Georgia think, not returning um, a starting quarterback. Florida returning their their starting quarterback. Florida returning a decent part of the roster. Not having Alabama on the schedule with Georgia having Alabama on the schedule. It's all of those pieces combined. Georgia are, always. Georgia always. Georgia has Auburn again, which they obviously always have, but always that makes have, it tough. Correct. To but Florida well. had Auburn last year, um, and they don't. I mean, think Florida played Auburn and LSU right. last year. Um, so they get a Florida little bit gets of a to, Florida gets to there. play. Yeah. They play Ole Miss where, you know, Georgia's game is, I mean, you could say the, the Georgia Auburn game and the Florida LSU game cancel each other out. Correct. But then you're has, still left with Georgia. Oh, Alabama. Florida has Ole Miss, right. right. Ole Miss instead of Alabama. So right. yeah, it set up really, really well, um, uh, for Florida. And if, and then obviously their out of conference schedule is just, and they get LSU at or, home too, which know, that is helpful. Yeah, and so no true tough road games because their out of conference stuff is mm-hmm. super easy. If if that even happens now, if it happens right. Um, so yeah, it it was a super super easy schedule lineup for Florida. I think from a program's perspective, um, yeah, I agree with you. Financially, Miami would would probably be the worst. Um, but from an overall program perspective, I mean, I think it's Florida State because. Miami has the most, uh, I'm sorry, Florida has, Florida will be fine recruiting whether there's a season or not. Like they're going to finish with the top 10 class that Mullen's there and proven Miami's got really hot on the trail right now and doing really well. And at least there's continuity there, right? Like Diaz is a good defensive coordinator. I'm not sold on him as a head coach. I think that he'll, you know, be there for maybe a couple more years, maybe not, but I, I don't, think Diaz is the long-term guy but there's continuity they've done a good job but when you're of the only one cutting your right teeth, now. that is a that puts you at a, yeah. a distinct disadvantage but for Florida State there's not the same level of talent there that there is at even Miami in my opinion there's not the same continuity and I think recruits with the new coach are very much in wait and see mode they want to see what you can do and so sure. I don't really know the level of recruits that Norvell could get without having a season like the Florida state needs a season. Cause they need some kind of positivity. They need sure. to, they need to get beat the hell they out of something on paper. And, and honestly, it doesn't even have to show that they can be, it doesn't even have to yeah. be all positive though, because you can show a recruit, look, you can come in immediately and start at this position. They just have to show something. Yeah. Which they haven't for the last couple of years. Um, so it'd be nice to be able to have that. So I think that that would be, really really bad from for, for florida state from a recruiting perspective you know they need a season to to look competent or again sell playing time whatever but they they need that uh side of things so yeah i think that would be really bad again i think we get a season at least a condensed one and and that helps them so i mean i'd be all for i mean you don't have to look very far to find my tweets on this I'd be all for the ACC only schedule, and yeah. if that means we have a really good chance of going six and two, you know, losing to Miami and so, do you think and, they add uh, a game to the conference schedule, or do you just play the teams that you happen to be scheduled against? I'd be fine with them adding a game because nobody would be as tough as Clemson or Miami. I'm just asking. So I'm, I'm not I'd asking be, whether or not you like the idea. I'm asking whether what you actually think they will do. Do you think they will leave it um, as is, or do you think they will try to make a complete season out of your conference? And if they do that, does that change the landscape going forward because people decide that they think that you get a truer champion that way? 
I don't know. I don't have a great feel for what I think they'll do because um, it just seems like it's been so hush-hush and, and, and no conference is on the same page with anybody Honest else. Honestly, God, stuff. this is I the mean, underlying issue with COVID in literally every arena currently is that nobody knows. At, not to go off on a tangent, and this will be quick, but like schools reopening, they literally will be like, well, we'll let you know the plan when we have one. Well, great. School opens in two weeks. So, uh, okay. But like, same thing for right. college football. How do we not have, like, why did we not spend the last five months trying to have a contingency plan? Like, make it for the worst case scenario, make it for the middle scenario, and then you can always dial it back if things happen to look, you know, peachier than you thought they were going to. Yeah. So there's just so much uncertainty that I, I really don't know. I mean, I would rather that happen. I mean, I know you just said, like, what do I think? But now I'd rather play a couple of ACC teams than Florida and Boise State and West Virginia because the ACC is terrible. You right. know, so, yeah, right. give me give me Virginia Tech and give me Virginia and stuff like that. I mean, you know, like, yeah, I'd rather play those schools. You know, I, I do think that – and that's the other thing. Like, how do – if the ACC decides – no, we're going to fill out your schedule with ACC schools. Then Florida, Florida State, and Georgia, Georgia Tech, and Clemson, Clemson, South Carolina are not happening, right? Mm-hmm. Like if we play 10, 11, 12 games of ACC schedule, then, you know, we're not, no, we're not playing those games. But, you know, you see reports every day. You know, Strickland says that he wants Florida, Florida State to happen. Florida State says they want that to happen. Uh, West Virginia and Florida State are still on. Like that game has not been canceled. Um you know, you see Alabama looking to sign a deal with Notre Dame to play and stuff like that. So, but what if the conferences come down and say, no, you can't do that. You have to just play our schedules and stuff. So that will be interesting to I mean, see. Yeah. What happens with that? So I don't know, but I'd be all in favor of a conference only schedule this year. It's all just kind of a crapshoot. So who cares? I'm more you in know? favor of it now uh, than I was before, because just do whatever it is that you have to do to give me college football. Like, if uh, whatever, whatever it is that I have to do, if you want me to buy a cutout of myself that sits in the stands like Major League Baseball, fine. Uh, whatever it's going to do to give me some football on my TV in the fall. <laughs> exactly. Uh, good transition. MLB. Have you been watching the Rays? You've been watching anybody else? I have. Braves fans, not that pumped about yesterday, huh? I, uh, I. Probably from like, well, no, we we killed everybody from those years. So like 2016, 2017, when we started to come back down um, to where we started losing to rivals again and and weren't as good, um, I was really good at like, you know, um, I don't know an appropriate way to say this. Uh, Ended up with crow, (laughs) ended up eating crow uh, from like shooting my shot too early. Okay. You know getting getting called out for it so last night i of course had to revel in the fact that we were up like 10 to 1 when i turned the Rays game on um and i'm sure the braves will come back and win the next three games against us because i had to run Open my mouth, mouth about how great we were compared yeah, to them 14 5 was, was nice it, it was enjoyable. Be, right yes yeah it was enjoyable last night like even if i speaking of ryan again ryan and i were messaging each other about that and even if i have to end up with you know eating crow for this or egg on my face or whatever cliche you want to use. Um, at least we, we won that first one and I got to yeah. tell crap about it. On at least sports are on our TV. Like I don't even care what the outcome is at this point. Yeah. That's I, I kind of, I was texting a buddy the other night and said, you know, the, the Rays lost. I never um, take sports for granted again. Give me all the, the sports. I don't care what. I mean, I didn't really. Let's be honest. If there, were, if it's between sports or not sports on TV, I was watching sports. But I feel like, I, oh, this is a terrible game. We don't even need to watch this. Like that will never come out of my mouth again. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, actually, there was, still will be some games that I won't watch, like when when FIU plays bad teams like Miami and stuff like that. So um, no, I'll still watch. But <laughs> I'll watch with the anticipation that they lose. So That's okay. Um, but, yeah, it's been fun to watch the Rays. It's been fun to watch baseball back in general. The Rays have the best record in the MLB right now, and we're almost to August. So that's always fun to say. Well, I was going to say, and we uh, might get shut down now. So perfect. <laughs> yeah. So um, they look good. Baseball looks good. Uh, Marlins had a, uh, actually I just saw a tweet that said something like 350 player, players and um, uh, equipment personnel and management staff and everything have been tested. And the only positives that have come back have been with the Marlins. Uh, okay, a few more well, players good. there uh, got got popped for it. So 
Um, you know, I don't know what they were doing in Miami. I can only imagine that uh, there were some things going on they shouldn't have, but hopefully it was contained there. Those players quarantined. We can just get everything rolling back. Um, but glad that nobody else has it. Obviously, I hope they recover. Um, and then the NBA starts this week. The NHL starts this week. Are you going to fake care about these playoffs? Oh, you like the you like the NHL, but what about the NBA? Will you will you pick up a team, or will you try and watch a little bit, or what? Um, what are I our mean, I there? kind of am a Magic fan because I lived in Orlando and I uh, hosted a drive time radio show there, and so obviously Magic was a huge topic of conversation every single day because of the city it was located in. Um, they're kind of a dumpster fire always. And I feel like every year it's the wait until you see what we do next year. So they're, they're maddening in general, but yes, I'll pick up an NBA team. I'll pick up an MLS team. I'll pick up an NHL team. All the lightning have always been my team, but anything I'm there. All right. So let's agree for once in our, Oh, I guess we have a raise in, in lightning, but I was going to say, let's, uh, I would like to officially welcome you to the Lakers bandwagon. We are doing this one for, we're doing this one for Kobe. So I feel like that's a cause you can get cool. behind. I can. I will, I will get you some purple and gold stuff and we will rock out with LeBron. So let's, let's win this title. You know, the, the Lakers and the lightning have the best odds. Um, my buddy Craig, you know, Craig, Craig, yeah. uh, you mean my buddy baby. Craig? Congratulations, Craig. Um, we talk like every day, so I don't know. I think I've surpassed you. Um, you know that? Okay. Do you know that Craig and my brother became college roommates because Craig's older brother and I were friends, and both of our brothers were like, uh, "We don't like new people. We don't. We don't know who we're going to live with because we don't like meeting new people." And we were like, "Perfect. We have your roommate for you." And we literally, sight unseen, had them live together, and now they're besties and have been for, I guess, like ten years now. Well, I have both passed up you and your brother as Craig's best friend. So, okay. um, I saw him re- I saw him retweet this. Both the Lightning and Lakers have uh, the best odds to win um, their respective titles. Um, the Lightning are tied with the uh, Bruins. They're not as much of a favorite. Like the the odds, you can still get them at pretty good odds. The Lakers are a pretty good favorite and have been all year. Um, so that's one that I'm more confident on than, than the Lightning. Um, but man, that'd be a fun, I don't care if there's an asterisk next to it, next to it or not. It'd be a fun to, to get two of those. And then the Rays are the best team in the MLB right now, as, as, as far as we tape four games in. So, um, everything is going right in my world. And then, um, it'll all finish up in college football start and bring me back to, back to earth. So, um, go lightning and go Lakers. <laughs> I, I can get on those bandwagons. I'm good with that. Cool. Um, let me look at this real quick. Um, that's all I had. FSU running back, Kalon Laborn, no longer with the program. We talked about this a little bit off the air, but it's kind of a piece of crap that uh, I don't really care. He's an adult. So they thought they're like, oh, it's a kid. Now he's an adult. He just was kind of a cancer in a locker room. So was there uh, something that pushed it over or, the edge this time? Hasn't really come out yet. I mean, I'll, I'll talk with Josh Newberg tomorrow, um, just as we do a victory roll up and, and see if he has any inside info. But I, I don't really know of anything specific and I haven't clicked many links to see, um, but it just is something that doesn't surprise anyone. Uh, Florida state picked up a four star uh, transfer from Texas A&M, Joshua Corbin, um, who was very highly sought after and just didn't really fit in there at Texas A&M with some of the depth that they have there. And so really good recruit um, that was added for depth purposes and so that'll kind of help fill the void there. Um, Labor was a five-star recruit, all the talent in the world, um, but just never really materialized in anything just because of his issues. Um, and so it's crappy, but probably for the best. So um, that's the only other thing I had. Before totally unrelated to Florida State, but related to MLB. I just saw a tweet that said it supposedly multiple Marlins players visited a strip club in Atlanta after the Braves exhibition game. And they are thinking that that is what kickstarted the uh, COVID cases in the locker room. So my question to you is this, if that's what happened, what kind of punishment should be levied against them by major league baseball? Was That's there like a specific rule that open you couldn't go to strip club? I mean, shouldn't... Was there a specific rule that said you couldn't go to strip club? I mean, I don't know. I'd have to read what their CBA said or whatever. But, I, I mean, I... you that, that's, that's like failing an open book test. Right? Like, come yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, you would think that 
you would think that you just suspend them without pay while they're on the COVID thing, but I don't think you can do that based on like their you know, health guidelines and yeah. CBS and stuff like that. It's also very difficult to prove that that's what it was. What if it was just some guy getting an Uber Eats, right? Like staying, you know, maybe what, what if that was like, so it's tough to really know. Now it's, well, I'm pretty sure major league baseball should from now on out here on out say like, Hey, you got to get food delivered to your room. No strip clubs, no, no bars, oh, boy, no, uh, you know, but that's honestly, yeah, that's the kind of problem kind of making... that college football is going to have keeping their players from oh, going out really? to the bar to celebrate after a big win or keeping from bringing their girlfriend in who's in yeah. a sorority who, you know, so lives with 80 other girls, uh, things like that. That's going to be the problem for college football. But you would think Major League Baseball would have done a better job following the blueprints that are laid out from them. MLS tested 975 players two days ago. That are players, personnel, you know, whatever in their bubble, not a single person tested positive. Like there literally is a blueprint for, for major league sports. It wouldn't work for college, but for major league sports on how to do this and major league baseball decided, Oh, you know what? We're going to reinvent the wheel. Yeah, we're not going to do it this way. Yeah. And what, and this is the other thing we talked about was when all those Marlins players tested, it wasn't even that many. Well, never mind. It was it was quite a few. But if there was a big enough outbreak with the Marlins that they not only this is what worries me about college football. Going back to it, and you know, I didn't really think about it when we were talking about it. But say fifteen players, say fifteen players at UF test positive, right? Okay. Who knows who may then have it afterwards, like. When that happened with the Marlins, they canceled the Marlins next couple of games. Yeah, they canceled through and Sunday. So if that happens, yeah. So if that happens with UF, do they cancel UF's next? If that's on a their it, next game or yeah, do, I don't know. Do they cancel well, their next game? Also, and, and they also canceled the games for the team they were playing. They were playing the Phillies. The Phillies aren't playing their games right, either. Now they, they tested all the Phillies and came back right. Now they tested the Phillies and came back negative, and so they are going to play again sooner than the Marlins. But if that's the case, say Florida, I don't know Florida's schedule very well, but say they play Ole Miss and then they te- a bunch of them test positive, not only Ole Miss has to miss their next game and Florida has to now, do they just postpone that until later? Like, do right. they play two games a week? Obviously, they don't do that for player safety. But, like, you know, that's kind of the issue that it runs into. Can you just get away with quarantining the sick and letting the not, you know, the people that didn't test positive continue to play? Well, I mean, is there some logic in following like what hospitals are doing, which is like if they know there was an exposure, they test. And as long as they're negative, they go right back to work. The only way that they quarantine is is a positive or symptoms. So I think that that's what I would have done. But why did the MLB not Not do that? that? What kind of message does it send that we're saying nine guys are not safe on a baseball field where social distancing, I mean, is is the name of the game, literally. Right. And and why saying, did they? Why did the? Why did the? Why did the healthy Marlins not just play their next game? Yeah, you know? yeah. I. I so mean, I guess is, 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 is college football going to follow that same model where if a certain number of players test, then they shut down the whole team, or are they going to? Yeah. I mean, obviously, again, we, we don't have faith in college in the NCAA to to act responsibly or have any kind of competence. So, sure. are they going to shut down the whole? team are they going to just quarantine the sick are they going to yeah. you know or the symptomatic or whatever you know so i don't know but but we'll see i mean at least baseball's back for today it may not yeah. be next week when we reconvene but at least it's back today yeah we'll take a week and get so all right cool do you have anything else no i think that's about it this was fun guys sorry we've been MIA and i promise if college football really happens you will get to listen to TJ and i probably more than you would uh like but we'll try and do a much better job of doing these more regularly here i blame ally's kids for this um, you should my, my honestly perfect, so you can blame my <laughs> assholes and there's four of them, so just, you know more it's it's more evenly distributed as opposed to doing 50 50 on my kids uh, yeah they could each have so. a quarter where i live in a loony bin like let's just <laughs> call a spade a spade but we'll try and i'll try and make some more time here I, I am very shortly becoming a homeschool teacher so you know we'll see where we can squeeze it in yeah. but um, all right all right cool well, well i will have fun this week and I, we'll talk to you later all right sounds like a plan have a good week guys
Go care.